The following is for your information and should not be used as the basis for an investment decision. It is not investment advice. The views and opinions expressed are solely of the participants in a personal capacity. Specifically, they do not represent the views of progressive equity research or any other company or organisation mentioned in this podcast. Hello, I'm Jeremy McEwen, and welcome to the podcast from Progressive Equity Research, where we look at issues concerning investing in smaller UK companies and discuss issues and themes affecting our investment environment. I recently spoke to Scott Evans of the London Business School to discuss the changing shape of the UK smaller companies market. Scott, along with Professor Paul Marsh, compiles the numis indices and has a unique data-driven insight into tracking the small cap effect in the UK market. While the compilation of indices is a backwards-looking exercise, over time, variations in performance and relative value can offer real insights, particularly when overlaid with knowledge of macroeconomic events. In this conversation, Scott explains the background to the indices, the importance of the numerous smaller companies index, the NSCI, what we learned from the performance of markets in 2022, and how the market shape and value, particularly in the small cap area, have changed as we move into 2023. I start by asking Scott to give some background on the numerous indices and their significance. The numerous indices were first launched in 1987 and consisted actually at the time only of the smaller companies index, which we now refer to as the NSCI. And it was known as the Horgavet Smaller Companies Index. Numis became the sponsor 2013, and a very good sponsor they've been because under their auspices, we have expanded the range to include the entire market. So we have the large cap, mid cap, small cap, micro cap, and the alternatives market index, which currently covers all of AIM. When the small cap index was launched, there was no size-based indices available. FTSE has not launched the FTSE small cap. There's no fledgling index or anything like that. And so the Hall was the only one, the only available benchmark for small cap investors. And as you'll know, Jeremy, there was a very, very important study done in the US in the 80s by someone called Rolf Bantz. And he had looked at the outperformance of small caps and shown over the longer term, the smaller caps had actually been a long-term outperforming asset compared to other asset classes, in particular large caps. So that was why the Horkovet and now the Numis indices were launched. The fund managers wanted to understand, had small caps been in the UK been the same outperforming asset class as they had been in the US? And so my colleagues, Professor Paul Marsh and Elroy Dimpson, who actually built and managed and set up the whole of the numerous indices at London Business School, they calculated it all back to 1955 and showed actually it was very, very similar in the UK that there had been this long-term outperformance and that small caps had been a much better asset class for investors than large caps. So that's sort of the background what were the main lessons from the numerous indices from yeah. 2022? What we're looking at is actually one of the worst years for AIM, one of the worst years for small caps in a very long time. Large caps were up. They made a positive return, but it was really about the mega cap outperformance. So last year, we saw small, mid cap, 
very poor performance. And actually, it was the smallest, which is we have a microcap index called the NSE 1000, which also goes back to 1955. And that had an even worse year. So we saw a really big consolidation with the bigger getting bigger and the smaller underperforming. It was very much a sector and industries year last year. And last year, it was really about very strong performance from energy, basic materials and healthcare. But more importantly, within that, it was about big oil, big mining and big pharma. And if you did the comparison about small caps and large caps in those sectors, you see that small caps actually underperformed across the board. AIM was slightly different, actually, in that AIM had a dreadful year, but it wasn't the smallest companies at AIM that did the worst. It was the biggest companies. They did twice as bad as the smallest companies. And it was the larger AIM companies that really dragged down the index. So what we had was mega cap outperformance. It was very much very specific industries, oil, healthcare, and mining that did well. You had the biggest companies get even bigger. You got AstraZeneca started this year or got to the end of last year with a total market cap of $176 billion, which to put that in perspective is almost twice the size of the whole of AIM and is larger than the whole of the NSCI index if you exclude investment trusts. And the top 10 stocks at the beginning of the year accounted for 40% of the total capitalization of the market. So from what you're saying, the overall market was stretched upwards due to the significant outperformance of the mega caps, the yes. 10 biggest, 10 or so biggest companies in the UK market. And the companies typically across the market performed relative to their size, the larger companies outperform the smaller companies. But AIM was an exception where the larger companies underperformed the smaller companies, albeit the AIM market went down overall. Is that right? That's absolutely right. If you'd gone back for about 10 years ago, there was a point at which almost 60 or 70% of AIM consisted of very young, very small, very new companies that had only been rated the year before. Most were loss-making, most didn't pay any dividends. And then AIM has matured. And then we started to see AIM actually having some very, very good years. But the last two years, it has underperformed. And then we sliced and diced in terms of within AIM, what have been the underperformers. And we found that actually last year, it was very much large cap of the AIM companies were the worst performer. And it was the same the year before. So the largest companies on AIM have actually been dragging it down over the years. So in 2022, when the market was stretched upwards by the outperformance of the very large companies, we had this phenomenon of a lot of companies, and I think an abnormally large number of companies drop down into the small cap index. Can you just talk a little bit about that? The small cap index is the bottom 10% of the market. So as you get this consolidation, as you get these companies becoming much larger, the number of companies in the large cap index has been reduced. To put that in perspective, at the start of 2022, there was 117 companies in the numerous large cap index. At the start of 2023, there was only 90. As we rebalance the index, 26% of the starting year small cap index was made up of companies which were what we call falling angels. Now, what's the relevance of that you just said? Well, these tend to be companies which have underperformed. They've been falling. They've come down. They're on lower ratings. They're on higher yields. They tend to be much more value-orientated. 
The start year PE multiple for the NSCI, for example, this year was started on eight times. I mean, that's one of the lowest levels, especially in terms of relative to large caps, that it has been since 1955. It's not the lowest, but it's one of. To put it in perspective again, the start year PE multiple for 2022 was 17 times because we had quite the opposite. We had a lot of companies which were growing and the index had lots of winners in it. This year has got lots of losers into it. You're talking about historic trailing PEs. Yes, absolutely. So all of our multiples are based on looking at trailing PEs and all of our yields that we look at, look at actual trailing yields. We don't add in perspective. I think the question then becomes, I'm, I'm already jumping in and deciding what the question should be here, because the okay. rest, I think that Fallen Angels are, is a very, very important aspect of what's happened last year, because the question then becomes, what do you actually do with those Fallen Angels? Do you buy them or do you shun them? Are they falling knives or are they potentially the phoenix coming from the ashes? Since 1955, we've looked at what you should have done with fallen angels in the following year. And we found in general, looking back to 1956, because obviously we've got to wait a year for the performance to come through, right up to 2022, the average gain, if you would have bought those companies that came down into the index as part of a portfolio, would have been slightly negative. So actually, you would have been right not to have bought them. There was two specific periods where quite the opposite happened. One was in 75, and I'm sorry to go back such a long way, but this was after, and there's real relevance for highlighting this, where the return was very, very large. It was almost 11% return, additional return from buying the fallen angels. And well, it wasn't was, in the market in 1975 or 1974. But I do know that, <laughs> that in 1974 was one of the worst years for the UK stock market in certainly living memory and probably ever. Absolutely. And so following on exactly from what you just said, the second time when there was a significant outperformance from the Fallen Angels was in 2009. And what happened in 2008? Yeah, I can remember so, that. Yeah. So we've had two big periods where actually buying the fallen angels has been the really has been the right thing to do because as you've just highlighted, the years preceding them were very, very bad years for small cap. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, was 2022, I mean, it was a very bad year for financial assets and financial markets, but we haven't actually had a recession yet. I mean, in 2008 and 1974, I don't know for sure, but I would say we had pretty severe recessions nailed on by then. Yeah, that's the third part to it all. So the first of all, the question is, is this the time to buy? Because in the past, when we've had this, we've had such a high proportion of fallen angels in the index, and you've had very, very poor performance in the preceding year. Those have been the two times to buy. But as you quite rightly say, If we were going into a market which was struggling, if we were going into a recessionary or continuing into a recessionary period, that generally is not a good background for buying small caps. If the market did well this year, and we've already had a good start, and funny enough, the fallen angels are massively outperforming the rest of the market at the moment. But we're only only one month in. I believe when I looked at it last week, the fallen angels were up about 16% compared to about 5% for the market. So it's significant already. It's already been a significant trade if you wanted to go down that route. 
multiples, especially within the NSCI, have been pushed down to a very, very low level. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that just on that basis, they're super cheap, but they are starting the year in a relative basis on one of the lowest relative multiples to large caps that we've had since 1955, potentially in a period where we've had very large underperformance and we've come from very difficult markets. And both those times in the past have been when the fallen angels have been re-rated. We heard from Scott just now that smaller UK companies, as measured by the NSCI or the numerous smaller companies index, are cheaper today relative to larger companies than at most times in the past. Smaller companies have also significantly underperformed large companies. Finally, the cohort that makes up this part of the market has been impacted by a large intake of fallen angels. We also know there have been previous occasions when these factors have led to significant subsequent outperformance by smaller companies. However, this time it might be different. With Scott's help, we can accurately analyse past market movements. Their future performance remains unknowable. Old rules and norms about long-run small-cap premia, lagging and then leading, and the mean reversion to historic relative valuations simply may not apply. We cannot tell. As the baseball legend Yogi Berra said, I never make predictions, especially about the future. However, we will check back in on these themes and explore others in future episodes of The Progcast. Thanks for listening.